Lord, we simply come uh, before you, Father, to ask you to give us grace so that we could give more grace. We pray this through Jesus Christ. Amen. So everybody should have an outline today, uh, this morning. It would be fitting as most people set New Year's resolutions or goals as you're coming into a new calendar year. Uh, most people re-examine the last year and have uh, either a positive perspective or a negative perspective on it, and they use that going forward into the new year. Most of uh, uh, what I see, or at least what people like to vocalize, is is kind of kicking out the old year because of whatever situation and hoping the new year to be better. And that's where most uh, goals, resolutions, and, and things uh, lead to is because they want to do better. There's an innate desire in mankind that God gave us to pursue something better, to have, even just have a better life or to, to improve. And so uh, we're going to look at, at biblical goal setting or what some goals would be for a Christian. And uh, if, if you listened uh, to my Christmas sermon last week or if I've mentioned this multiple times that we should be a group to be Christians is to be holy and set apart. And we really, we have to follow the Gregorian calendar that we follow. But as Christians, we have a different calendar. So if we're setting goals in our new calendar year, we're only about four weeks behind the Christian calendar that started uh, at Advent. So if, if that's what you're doing, that's fine. Uh, four weeks ago would have maybe been better, but, or, or whatnot. But Let's look at, uh, let's start by 2 Peter 3.18. I'm sorry, let's look at 17 and 18. And the Apostle Peter says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And so Peter in here is saying, and it's not you have some neutral middle ground option as if you could get carried away with lawless people and become unstable, and then maybe there's like some safe neutral ground that you can stand on, and then if you really want to be a, a, a zealous Christian, you can grow in grace and knowledge. It's either one or the other. You're either growing or you're shrinking back. Now, sometimes you might uh, have times of, of rest, and just to say rest and, and solitude, that's not uh, a shrinking back. The shrinking back that Peter's talking about is to be carried away into lawlessness or to lose your stability. And so you're either headed that direction or you're growing. And, and it's growing in grace, and it's always growing in grace. There's no other way to grow. If you grew, or you supposedly grew, and you find out that it was out of your own efforts and you weren't relying on on, on faith and in, in the Lord, then uh, it'll turn out that you weren't really growing at all. And so all growth is through grace. And so in the Christian life, there's just no other way to do it. That doesn't mean uh, that you don't have to, uh, we have this perverted view of grace that means you just get grace and you can do whatever the heck you please, or you can sit still. That's not a biblical view of grace. We uh, try to reassert this over and over is that grace, if you received grace from the Lord, now you have a responsibility. You, you have, um, as I think it's in Romans 6, says you're either slaves in the old man, you're slaves to sin, but if you've been given grace in the Lord, now you're a slave to righteousness. You don't have another option. 
right? If the Lord has given you grace, if you're here this morning, if the Lord has born you again through his Holy Spirit, now you're obligated in the Lord, right? You're obligated to worship him. You're obligated to follow him, to obey him. And as Jesus said, that those burdens are, are light and they become easy. And so grace doesn't mean that we, we just punch our ticket to heaven and we just sit back and, and we wait. It means that uh, it's time to get to work is what it means. And we read that in Ephesians, uh, you know, in Ephesians 2, 8, and, uh, 9, and 10, and, uh, where it says you're saved by grace through faith and so that no man may boast. But the end of that is that you are his workmanship in Christ Jesus created for good works that he prepared. And so even in being saved by grace, he prepared you to do good works. He didn't save you by grace, give you faith, so you can spend your time hanging out, sitting on earth, dreaming of heaven, and waiting. Right? And so let's read Ephesians 2, 4, and 7. Let's go back a little bit further, just to understand the, the age that we're living in. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages, in the coming ages, these ages we're in now, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And so that's the age we live in of where he's just pouring out grace and kindness. He's just pouring out mercy. He's just pouring it out to us. And we, the Apostle John said that again, said the same thing in, in John 1, 16, where it says, speaking of Christ, from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. And so we're going to talk about some very practical things for goal setting and, and, and as Christians, some of the common goals we'd have or how we would grow in grace. But if you miss the part about it being all about grace and you just want to throw out that foundation and try really hard these other things, you're going to get very frustrated. And it's going to be very hard uh, and even impossible. And you might have some signs of growth, but it's not, going to be, it's not going to be sustainable. And so the age we live in now is like trying to drink from a fire hydrant. God is just like opening the tap and it's pouring out on you and you're just trying to receive as much as possible. And there's actually more being poured out than we could even probably receive or, or fathom. And so what happens in the Christian life is we, if we don't, I, everybody has the tendency to uh, even doctrinally, like, no, we're saved by grace and it's all by grace and it's all by grace. But what do I do? Right? Because we, we do have to do something. And so um, Christians throughout the age have called it the means of grace, the delivery systems of grace. But how does God deliver, or how do we receive that grace? Is it just this lofty theological thing that we read in the Bible, and then we think about it, and we ponder about it, and it's all in our heads? Uh, well, no, God is, is streaming forth his kingdom, and he's delivering grace on the earth. And we talk about this quite frequently um, in the word of the Spirit and the church. So that's how God delivers grace to us. And so if we were to just stop at thinking, that God delivers grace to us, and it's like trying to drink from a higher hydrant, and we're just trying to drink as much as we can. And then you sit back and you think about it, and you're like, oh, that seems very good. But where's the fire hydrant? Where's the water? Where's the grace? 
Well, he's always delivering it through his word, through his spirit, and through the church. And so that's what we as Christians are trying to drink from more and more. That's how we grow in grace. And so there's a way when Peter says in that in Second uh, Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there's a way to grow in knowledge but not grow in grace. But there's not very much of a way to grow in grace without growing in knowledge of Jesus. And so those two are so closely intertwined that it's, it's hard to separate them. And when you're growing in grace, you do grow in, in knowledge of some sort. But there is a way that you can go about growing in knowledge. I could read a bunch of books. I could read through the Bible in a year. I could grow in experience uh, without growing in grace. And so grace is the foundation. And so looking at the Excuse me, looking at the means of grace, if you want to grow, if you want to grow in the Lord, if you want to grow in grace, if you want to grow in knowledge, you have to set goals. That's a, that's a common theme. That's a common thing. Everybody would know that if you, uh, if you don't plan on anything, you're gonna, on nothing, you're going to get there very quick. If you don't set goals, if there's nothing to move forward into, then, then you're not going to advance, right? And so if you don't set goals, you're not going to reach them. But as, as Christians, we, I, most of the, uh, uh, you know, in the Western, in the New Year's resolutions, they think of like weight loss or, or diet, money goals. Uh, uh, rarely do I hear anybody talking about goals about how they could be more holy or how they could work on their character uh, or, or much of that. And so what we want are goals that are biblical, realistic, challenging, and measurable. And so one of the main things is that before you, is when you're setting goals, and we're going to look at those, some very practical ways as, as followers of Christ to set goals by the, by the means of grace, is you have to be prepared. You have to count the cost. Um, if you go into the new year with a, a diet and exercise regimen, and you're like, I'm just going to diet and exercise, I'm just going to, I'm going to lose 30 pounds. I hope I don't lose 30 pounds. I might want to gain 30, 30 pounds, but... If you go into that and then you don't have any realistic way of, and you just have this idea of that's what I want to do, then you're never going to get there. You might make some progress, but you're not going to actually, you won't get there. If you don't, if you don't count the cost, you're going to think, well, that's gonna, if I'm going to exercise and exercise maybe 15 or 30 minutes a day, I need 15 or 30 minutes a day to exercise. When's that going to be? Is that going to be in the morning? Am I going to do it in the afternoon? Uh, whatever. Right, so you kind of have to, have to count the cost and get prepared. So Proverbs 24, 27, on that says, Prepare your work outside. Get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. And so what you want to do in, in goal setting is when you, when you set biblical goals, when you set goals is, is to grow in character or grow in knowledge of the word um, or the spirit or, or within the community of believers, when you set that goal, you have to be prepared and count the cost. And what is this going to cost me? If uh, the first one in the word was is very common that we advocate for all the time, uh, very frequently, is reading your Bible in a year. And so you have to count the cost. How much time is that going to take? How am I going to divide it up? How am I going to uh, do that? Right? You have to prepare, and then you you work towards that goal. And so um, the other common hindrance to why people fail goals. Um, I don't think it's on your outline, but in, in Proverbs it says, 
without prophetic vision, a people cast off restraint. And so without a, a vision of, of uh, where this is going to lead you and what the Lord's going to use you for with that or, or how it would benefit your relationship with the Lord or with other people, then it's very easy to just cast off and say, you get a few weeks down the road, you get a, maybe even a couple months down the road, and you lose hope, you lose sight of what God is doing. And so when you're considering these goals, you have to think about where the Lord is leading you with that. And so, um, or, or how that's going to motivate you. So to jump into the word of, I think every Christian should have at very least a goal to read the entire Bible in, in 12 to uh, 18 months. That's a very easy goal for, I think, just about anybody. Um, we even have, I wake up in the morning now, and, and while Lily's, my daughter's not in school, she's eight years old, we read the Bible together in the morning for about 20 minutes, and uh, she'll be able to work her way through the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, um, in about like five months. And that's a, that's a decent rate for an eight-year-old, um, but as, as adults, a, a, a yearly Bible reading plan, I think, would be pretty easy. It's a pretty attainable goal. It might seem like a mountain at first, but... Um, you have to think about how progressively through your Christian life, if you're just beginning as a Christian or just beginning to read the Bible, think about where you're going to be in, in five or ten years' time after reading through the Bible five or ten years. Think about what the Lord would show you, how he would use you, how if, um, um, if we're all called to make disciples, how that would help in that endeavor. Or if you're in any other station of life with, a spouse or, or kids, or you're just around people in general, how that would help. And so you kind of have to keep a vision moving forward of why am I doing this? If it's just, if we get away from the idea of just uh, praying a sinner's prayer, punching our ticket and going to heaven, then there's not very much motivation for me to read the Bible if, I, if, I, if it gets hard or tedious. There's not very much motivation for me to pray for other people. There's not very much motivation for me to live in uh, in unity with other brothers, brothers and sisters, if I've already punched my ticket and I'm going to heaven eventually, uh, why grow in the church? And so uh, when you're making goals, sit down and just prayerfully consider, like, Lord, what do you, where, like, ask God to give you a vision of, like, with Bible reading, where could I be by the end of the year? Where could I be in two, three, four, five years if I read through the entire Bible every year? Right, and so um, getting into into goals for the word, Second uh, Timothy three fourteen through seventeen. But as for you, <clears throat> continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is breathed out and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so, we would normally list the scriptures as the first means of grace. They're all, the word, the spirit, and the church are all intertwined, and you can't really grow without all three. But we put the word as primary, because God's spirit never contradicts his word, and the, and the church uh, rightfully would 
moving with God's spirit and the word would never contradict the word. And so I've put on there a, a link, but you can look at it. Ligonier Ministries, which is R.C. Sproul's ministry, has a list of 20 Bible reading plans. So if you don't think you can like figure out a Bible reading plan, uh, well, there's 20 on there. And so I followed the same Bible reading plan for the uh, almost nine years I've been a Christian, where if I'm banking on five days a week that I'm going to read, um, I'm not, maybe hopefully in the next few years or, or within the next decade, the Lord will give me a lot more growth and grace and I'll be able to read seven days a week, but I'm not there yet. Uh, and I don't, maybe I'm not planning on it because my Bible reading plan is five days a week. Is where I'm reading just uh, from Matthew to Revelation in the New Testament. I've just got one bookmark that moves forward and, and sometimes I'll read a gospel then skip ahead to an epistle and then come back and put another gospel in there. But I'm just basically reading from Matthew to Revelation and I can get through that two, three, or sometimes four times a year. And the Old Testament, and that's at like one chapter a day for five days a week. You can get through the entire New Testament. That's very realistic. The Old Testament, if you were to read five chapters a day for five days a week, you'd get through the entire Old Testament in one year. I personally read a chapter of, of Psalms and Proverbs out of one of those five, you know, one day. And so that means in the other books, I'm just reading three chapters. And that way you can get through the Psalms about uh, twice a year and the Proverbs about 12 times a year and the, old, the rest of the Old Testament uh, once a year. And so that's, and it's really easy just to keep bookmarks for me. There's, if you look at the, the list or some people will do one where you're reading some of the Pentateuch and then some of the wisdom literature and then some of the other historical books and the part of the gospel and part of the epistles. And I'm just not smart enough. I'm going to be honest. I'm just not smart enough to track that and, and do that. If that's uh, what people choose, more power to you. Um, those are good. I'm just, you'd have to keep, they, even on the Ligonier website, they, they give you charts and stuff so that you can track your, your progress and those kind of things. And so apart from reading the Bible in a year, a good way to grow is to read other Christian books on scriptural topics. Um, and you can see our foundational and, and intermediate book list of, of some books we recommend. That might mean books on character growth of what the scripture speaks about. That might mean uh, books on theological topics or whatnot. But I generally try to leave, uh, I'm sorry, I try to read 12 books a year, which is about one, one book a month. And, and recently with audiobooks, I could uh, still read about eight books a year and listen to about 10. And so if you want to grow in grace, you have to grow in your knowledge of the scripture. You have to intake scripture. And if you want to grow a lot, you have to read a lot of scripture. That's going to cost you a lot of time. And so normally, that would be about, for at a, at a, at a basic reading level, that's about like 30 to 45 minutes a day for five days a week. And so you have to uh, look forward at that goal and what God, how you wants, he wants you to grow, how he's offering you to grow through the word. And you have to manage your life around that. And so that means you have to uh, pick a time. There's no hope. I'm, I'm going to maybe make a blanket statement that if you have, uh, if you're an adult with a, a spouse and kids, there's almost no hope you're reading from uh, 9 a.m. until 9 p.m. 
If you are, maybe your work schedule is different or, or you're neglecting your wife or children. But um, I generally have to wake up earlier to be able to read. And I might get time after 9 p.m. after my youngest daughter goes to bed, but generally not. Uh, sometimes I read other books besides scripture. So I have to get it all done in the morning. So you have to count the cost of, is it going to cost me losing sleep? Is it going to cost me um, uh, pushing other things out of my life so I can grow in the grace of God's word? And so uh, the next one would be growing in the spirit. So what Christians should be doing is growing in the fruit of the spirit and, and the gifts. And so let's talk about the fruit first real quick and then, uh, and then the gifts. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And so uh, just because we're lacking on time, you can in your own time read Galatians 5.16 through 25. You grow in the fruit of the Spirit, which is the character of Christ. And by when you're tempted, you have a choice uh, either to obey your flesh or to obey the Spirit of God and walk in obedience. And if... if uh, if life experience tells me anything, I think everyone goes through this experience, is when you become a Christian and you start obeying and living by the Spirit, you don't really feel like it. You just do it because <laughs> you're obligated to. <laughs> and those feelings come uh, sometimes much later, uh, and you have to bear with just obeying the Spirit of God and obeying Christ and the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control uh, come later. You don't get fruit overnight. You don't plant something in the ground and cultivate fruit from it the next day. It, it takes a while. And so you should be looking at character traits in your life that the Lord wants you to grow in. And so uh, the next one would be the gifts of the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, uh, a good New Year's verse is, Do not get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And so as Christians, we should be continually seeking to be filled with the Spirit, and, and particularly walking those out in the gifts. And so we could read, uh, 1 Corinthians 1 says that, Paul says, I don't want you guys to be unaware of the spiritual gifts. And so there's nine gifts of the Spirit uh, there. And so just think to yourself, do I know the nine gifts of the Spirit? Am I what Paul my who Paul was talking about, that he doesn't want me to be unaware. And so uh, be looking to be filled with the Spirit, to have times of, of worship and prayer, and privately just get before God. If, if the only time you have before God is on Sunday morning, then I don't think you're getting that filled with the Spirit. And so lastly, on the means of grace, um, uh, a growing in, in the church, in the community of Christ. And so First Peter 3... I'm sorry, 1 Peter 1, 13 uh, through 16, talks about us being holy and set apart because in all of our conduct, because God is, is holy. He, he quotes from Leviticus there. And so it's not just that we individually are supposed to be holy in our conduct, and, and, and that is true, but we as a people group are supposed to be holy and set apart. And that is primarily viewed by the world by how we worship, what we do on Sunday mornings, and, and how we live in fellowship with one another. And so we would just uh, live a different life. We would live a much different life. And so primarily, um, 
prioritizing the, the Lord's Day, being together on the Lord's Day. Um, just a little side blurb. We normally have services at 9.30, and if you get here at 9.45, maybe a good goal would be showing up at 9.20 and being in the service for 9.30 <laughs> and not being late, uh, or coming to the, the 8.30 prayer meeting. Right? Those would be setting apart in the third commandment, setting apart the, the Sabbath day, the Lord's day, as holy. That's one of the top ten things God commands of us is to have a day where we set aside to be different, different from the rest of the world. And so other areas to grow in uh, in the church would be uh, soul care, getting soul care and uh, receiving and, and giving soul care, uh, your relationship to spiritual authority, walking in the light, confessing your sins, um, and just basic community, fellowship, uh, uh, service, and, and friendship with one another. And so when we're called to be holy, that means, again, we are, are separate. What holy means is primarily to be separate and to be different. And so if the only day we look different is on Sunday, then that's an area to grow, right? If, if most of our... I like having friends outside of the church. Sometimes it gets a little hard for people who work in the church and have most of their friends in the church like I do, but I really do like to have friends outside of the church uh, and, um, uh, and worldly friends, not as a means to minister primarily, uh, but as a means to, to uh, well, I guess it would be a means to minister, but to, to, to be in the world, but not of it, to see these are the way the, the rest of the world lives. When we get dinner with some of our non-Christian friends, their whole lives are oriented completely different, and they have totally different priorities, right? And so, but uh, if the, the uh, if your primary friendships and, and service isn't in the church, then I think the Lord would have you want to reorient that. Those would be good goals uh, for the next year, right? If you, don't, if you find it hard to make friends or, or you're a little more shy, think about how you could uh, increase in, in fellowshipping in the church outside of the Lord's Day. And so, lastly, outside of the means of grace, we should have goals of stewarding God's gifts that he's given to us and of this life. And for just means of time, I, it's on your outline, but uh, having educational goals outside of, of growing in the Word, but ed- educational goals, your vocational goals, uh, your finances and investments, your health, diet, exercise, and sleep, uh, talents, callings, and giftedness, and, and other relationships. And so you should be praying and asking God, like, what do you want me to do with these? How could I steward these better? I personally love looking at, at finances and, and helping young men get started on a budget. And once you get past that, you can think about, like, how to invest and, and different things. But what's your station in life? Do you have a spouse? Do you have kids? That's a good place to start. How do you, how do you steward that well before God? Uh, your vocation, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to get a raise, but could you become a better worker? Could you be a better light to Christ by just how you work? Right? And then stewarding your health, uh, uh, your diet, your exercise, uh, all things to grow in. And so as we come to the table this morning, Going back to Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 is, this is how God is pouring out his grace to us. We just have to receive it. We just have to drink from it. That's what he's calling us to at the table. Uh, 
Again, we don't come to the table to, to get grace. We get a large mass dumped on us on Sunday, and then we try to work by our own means without grace throughout the rest of the week. What we do in coming to the table is we're coming to dine with Christ. He has instituted a covenantal meal that we would celebrate the, the riches of his glory and his mercies towards us. And that's why we carry that, this meal into the fellowship hall and we fellowship with one another. And we have a, it's a celebratory feast, right? He, is, he has welcomed us into the new covenant, not where he just lays laws and burdens on us, but he gives us his Holy Spirit so that we could actually accomplish, unlike old Israel, to do what he has called us to. And he does it in a feast. So let's have the communion service come up and let's dine with Christ.